Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Greasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And good morning and hello once again. This is Coach Chuck Creasy and another week of American Tennis. And I guess two, two in a row is pretty good. They say three in a row starts the flow. You know, I always talk to players about trying to group points, get them to do three things in a row. It becomes a habit. There is a magic to threes. I do not want to get off and talk about traditional scoring, but folks, have you ever thought about traditional tennis with scoring? How you got to win three in a row. If you can't win three in a row, you can't win games. That is the whole trick. And, and no ad scoring, you only got to win one in a row. Okay, I'm not going to go off on this tangent. I'm talking about. My program, we're two in a row now after a layoff with all of the virus stuff, season you cut short, and daggone it, too many moving parts that were hitting me from every side, and I didn't know what to do. But anyhow, we are back, and we got a great program for you today, American Tennis. And every week at noon on Wednesday, American Tennis, we have different things. We ask you to stand up, speak out, say those things that need to be heard out there. We don't need just a pathway for tennis players. We need a highway, an expressway, a freeway. The American way is a freeway and a lot of ways to do it, but uh, we need to get after it here. But anyhow, enough. Uh, Thanks for listening. Today, I've got Coach Robert Cox, and I got him here on the line. Good morning, Robert. How you doing, man? I'm doing fine, Chuck. I hope you can hear me here. Oh, you're good. You're good. You're good. Uh, So anyhow, uh, yeah, a lot of preparation here, and I I did do some more preparation on you, Robert, but this morning, and I'd like to go through some stuff about you, but I'm going to start out by reading what I put on the little, uh, what they call it, the teaser or whatever for the program. But I just, I wanted to just say this, okay, I put Coach Robert Cox, Coach, 30 years in settings, listen, settings that were were both developmental and resort, where both developmental and result-oriented 
results were necessary. Now, this Hall of Fame coach is Robert, greatly respected throughout the country by both players and coaches alike. Now, I would like to talk to you, and I, I want well, here. Look, if you're a parent out there, a player, a coach coming up, and we we need this interview to be for them today, Robert, and save kids time, save parents time, sort of give coaches direction. Uh, in other words, we got our mentoring. In, I mean, you were from Texas, so my golly, in Texas there, you had Dave Snyder, you had Tut Bartson, you had, doggone, I mean, you you had, oh gosh, Fred Niffen there at yeah, Dennis, Tyler. Dennis, Dennis Ralston, yeah. yeah, Dennis Ralston Dennis. at SMU, and David David Kent at A&M, and Larry Turville at Rice, and we, you know, the the Southwest Conference was just a who's Sam who Jamalva, of Sam, Sam Jamalva. Sam Giamalva, and then the old Southwest Conference. But, Robert, I was tutored and mentored by a lot of those guys, too. I think back making my first trips out there, we went 13 days in a van out there, and I, I we played 11 matches in 13 days and slept in dormitories, and we slept in the bottom of LSU Stadium, I remember, like for 10, 8, eight days one time. And it was that that was our mentoring, correct? And I, I want you to think of yourself now as maybe the guy that could mentor some young people. Um, I, you know, I, I we go just real quickly through here a little bit of a bio, but but folks, Robert, thirty years, man, that's nine thousand five hundred and fifty-three days or something like that <laughs> of of coaching tennis at, of course. Your two alma maters there uh, at Arkansas, and then, but also you ended up uh, getting your MBA there over at uh, Tyler uh, at the uh, University of let's see Texas Tyler, right? And uh, but you were able to coach in Tyler, Texas, at the junior college there, where they won so many national championships for. Uh, four years, and then you had 26 years at Arkansas in what I consider the toughest conference maybe ever in history, maybe the old uh, Pacific Northwest or what, no, let's see, whatever, not Pacific Northwest, but out there to Pac-8, Pac-10, what did it used to be? I forget what they called it, but anyhow, Mm -hmm. uh, you had one of the toughest places to coach. So, what I, I'd like to get started here, and then I want it to be your show today, and this is for the folks listening. You grew up, come on, you grew up in Palestine, Texas. What is that, 348 people when during tourist <laughs> season? I mean, you know, Palestine, Texas, and you were a multi-sport athlete, and you said you didn't get into tennis till pretty late right can you can you talk about your history a little bit there coming up because i don't want parents to think they have to send their kids to uh all these academies to be good in tennis sure i think i grew up uh, uh like any normal young man would grow up in rural east texas uh palestine texas had a population of about 12 13,000 at the time and uh you know i played football basketball um, you know, I was a typical outdoors bicycle kid, uh, whatever sport was in season, that's what we played. Um, and I, I fell into tennis at age 15 
And of course, I didn't know that was a late start, but uh, in today's uh, you know tennis environment, it is. But you know, when I gave up football, when they started taking the junior high football players out to the high school and spring training uh, back in the day, that was that, that was a, a decision uh, maker for me to get out of those sports and concentrate on tennis. But I was a self-taught player, just looked at the uh, World Tennis Magazine when it would come once a month and uh, hit up against a backboard uh, and then slowly got into some junior tournaments. And, of course, I owe it all to my dad uh, who pushed me uh, to those tournaments and, you know, started playing under 16 tournaments in Texas. And what a great section to grow in uh, and to play in. Uh, and, of course, back in those days when you went to a tournament in Tyler or Dallas, not only did you play 16 and unders, singles and doubles, but you entered 18 and under, and they would schedule around it. And sometimes you'd stay over and play in men's open. So you got a big bang for your buck back in those days. And I just don't know if those, that, that, uh, those opportunities exist anymore. Um, but uh, I was lucky enough to be semi-successful and caught the eye of Coach Fred Niffen at Tyler Junior College, who uh, Fred had just started uh, the tennis technology program there. It was year two when I arrived on campus of his tenure. And uh, I, I owe all my tennis success to, to Fred Niffen and, uh, and the junior college system. And I think that's the system that's kind of been bypassed as of late, and I think it's a great system, the junior college. If you can't find a place to play, you know, don't, don't uh, snub your nose up at the junior college system because it's a great, great place to, to hone your game and improve and, uh, and grow up in those first couple of years. But uh, that was my background, and uh, I, I don't think that was very, uh, uh, you know, very unique to uh, the time – back then i think there was a lot of guys and girls young young men and women uh, on the same path that i was well there's a couple things i'd like to step in and uh, 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 jump in there and, and point out a couple things and the same i had the same type of experience uh the naivety is that the word i'm looking for the naivety about how hard things were were part of the driving force in other words we didn't have all of the communication. We didn't have the internet. We didn't. Uh, Robert, I've always had a saying when I talk to younger coaches that it's best to keep fog on top of the mountain until the kids are too high up to turn back. In other words, you don't show everybody how hard things are from the start because the kids, I'm not saying they get afraid, but they size it up. And that's the biggest, like coaching right now, the biggest problem you have, Robert, is and you know, I look. I, I like the UTR for several reasons. Uh, one being that the kids can go after the higher rating on their own by the work they do, and they can charge at. But there's too much information out there in that everybody sizes stuff up. And um, so the point is, you and I both. I grew up in city parks. I didn't know how hard it was. We waited on the World Tennis Magazine. I played with uh, Western grip on my forehand, Western grip on my backhand, upside down, Western grip for my serve for about 
first four or five months and some until some old man showed me, son, you you want to hold it like this. But we used to look we used to look for that and then we sort of decided, hey, if I wanted to be good at this sport, I need to hit the backboard, right? Is that what that has sort of happened <laughs> to you? I I, look, I want to be good and Absolutely. I mean, I was at the city park as well. And, and of course, uh, I was looking at these old timers playing doubles. And of course, they weren't so old uh, as I look back now, but they took me under their wing and kind of showed me how to play the game. But that backboard was invaluable. I mean, I was playing, you know, Nastasi and Stan Smith and Lutz and Laver and Emerson and Rosewall uh, on that wall. And, uh, you know, you you learn to have quick hands and quick feet when that wall comes back. Later on, uh, I learned that if you got a if, if you used a uh, for lack of better words a dead ball, uh, that helped when you were hitting against that right. wall. But uh, again, you put it you put it so well. I mean, I was naive. I didn't know what was out in front of me. I just forged forward, and and uh, you know, had I not played. Uh, those junior tournaments and just get, and learned uh, by being thrown in the fire, um, you know, I, I don't know where I would be. Uh, but we would, I guess, the uh, looking back on it, I guess the most important thing I took away from my junior career, which it wasn't much of a career, uh, but my dad had me play in multiple events. And uh, we got a big bang for the buck when we went to Abilene for the weekend or Houston or Beaumont or Austin and playing in those Texas tournaments. And I think I experienced, uh, you know, a lot of wins and a lot of losses in one weekend, a lot of highs and lows in one weekend. And then you do that, you know, every other weekend during the summer, you can't help but uh, rise up uh, just from the sack of, uh, just from the sake of competition and, uh, being thrown into fire so many times. And I think that really prepared me for Tyler and, and coach Niffin did a great job at Tyler junior college. We had some success there and then I was able to move on to uh, university of Arkansas and coach Tom Pucci, who was an innovator at the time. And I know coach Greasy, you probably had some run-ins with coach Pucci. Oh, no, we, it was an intense <laughs> rivalry and I respect, listen, you can sense people when they're competitive and uh, you know, then, then you can sense people when they're not, but that guy did a great, great job out there at Arkansas, but we had tremendous rivalries with them and great matches, you know, but what, what a good coach he was, but I, I was Boy, bringing was up and, something. And... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to expand on coach Pucci. You know, Coach Niffin at Tyler Junior College, and again, I'm going back on my journey. You know, Coach Niffin had me and and, and a guy by the name of Ike Gross, who used to come in uh, on yeah. Coach Niffin's summer right. camps, taught me how to hit a, you know, a, what they called back then the American twist serve, you know, and get the grips right. Well, Coach, those two coaches, Coach Gross and Coach Niffin, they kind of put my, my technique together, and then Coach Pucci, uh, instilled a, just a desire to win. I mean, his whole deal was he was such a good promoter and motivator uh, here at the University of Arkansas. And, of course, we're playing in the Southwest Conference. But, man, Coach Pucci could get you fired up. He was just an incredible motivator, 
And that was the spark that I needed as a competitor. And I was always the number five, six, seven guy on the team. Uh, but he made me feel like a king, like I could beat anybody. And, of course, uh, I don't think anybody liked to play Coach Pucci's teams. Man, we were, you know, he was uh, in your face. You know, we're going we're, we're gonna to give it it all and lay it all out there. And, and he for sure was a mentor for me on how he conducted his program. Uh, but it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun playing in that old Southwest Conference. And uh, uh, Coach Pucci was uh, really ahead of his time. He was a great promoter. Uh, he would get people out to the matches. And, of course, it was a different, different time back then in the late 70s and 80s. And, uh, but we used to play on four courts. Um, we used to play night matches. Coach Pucci would, of course, that was the old nine point uh, uh, four oh, match. Right. Yeah, six singles, four, three doubles, two out of three sets. Right, it was great. It, it was awesome. It was awesome, and we played it on four courts in front of a packed house. Coach Pucci, we'd play it at night. Coach Pucci would put the number five and six singles on at five o'clock in the afternoon, and would promote the match to start at seven. So when the crowds came at seven o'clock, we had already finished singles five and six. And then singles one through four would go on at seven so in front of a packed crowd. And uh, so we played two out of three sets there, and then we went into the doubles for two out of three. So he was uh, a little bit ahead of his time. I know all the Southwest Conference coaches, they didn't like coming up to Arkansas and playing at night and then playing indoors. Uh, but that was one of the obstacles that we had up here. Our weather wasn't indoors, very good. The spring and the center. Uh, Right. The old Ichabon Indoor. Tennis Center, yes, sir. Yeah, I've been there. Hey, t- hey uh, Coach, you know we played a tournament out there, and those of you out there listening, the younger coaches, if you can believe this, we went out for a three-day tournament. We played five dual matches in three days, doubleheader, doubleheader, and then a single one on the fourth day. And the teams were LSU, Arkansas, SIU Edwardsville, Oklahoma State, and I think it was maybe uh, Utah or Brigham Young or someone. But th- th- these were we played out all the matches, six singles, three doubles, everything two out of three sets at the Ichabon Tennis Center. Can you believe? But but guys got better, that's for sure. Hey, coach, I wanted to ask you a couple things here. Okay, so I've been making notes here. Things that are important now. Individual desire, we always talk in my program about the three elements, nature, nurture, self, our ability, opportunity, desire, God-given ability, opportunities given by parents, coaches, teachers, but then it always comes down to the desire of the heart. And I've, for years I've given parents a little formula. I said, rate your youngster. They always say, well, can they get good? I said, rate your youngster one to ten. God-given ability, they'll say, okay, uh, seven, all right, opportunities. Well, we've given him a lot of opportunities, but he doesn't get to go to academies in eight. I said, okay, that's 15. So now the last thing is self or desire. And I came up with a number, 23 to 25. So if someone's 20, 15, eight, and a five, seven, if they're a 10, they could go to the moon with that. But if they're... 23 to 25 was the magic number. 23, you could barely play. Anyhow, what I'm getting to, Coach, and I wanted to you to elaborate on this just a little bit, is that today we do all top-down management. And I'm, I'm not going to get politics in here, but 
Right now we have a battle over bottom-up, even what we're going through now with the virus and all that stuff. I don't want to get into that, but everything is individual rights versus opportunities given from above. So I have been fighting to get people to understand that participation does not breed excellence. Excellence will always breed participation. You started at grassroots without hardly anything. I know so many stories that are just like yours in tennis and mine. Somewhere along the line, you need some help. But it was your desire and your God-given ability, then you scrapped out your opportunities. Now, instead of the top-down management where we have a, a, a pathway, I preach freeways, expressways, highways, many different ways to do it. Our kids are not motivated enough. We show them too many things too soon. We give them participation trophies. They, you, you elaborated on one thing here that I'd like to go to. You're a great competitor, but if there's a finer sportsman, I don't remember any of them. But you're good in golf. You were good in other sports. You're a very good golfer, mid-'70s, you told me still. You're a heck of a tennis player. You were motivated internally, but you said something. We played so much in a weekend, you said. My dad had me playing a lot. You had the ups and the downs and the kick-arounds, little time to celebrate and no time to cry. Now, talk to me about your desire is the thing that made you sort seek out, though, didn't you? You sought out the junior college maybe program with a Fred Niffen. You sought out people that would help you. And I'm going to include in there, I want everybody to read before, do not forget to read Rod Laver's autobiography because that will put you on fire for tennis. But coach, talk about that, about your loving to win, hating to lose, your drivenness, because you you had a great balance there with uh, your sportsmanship. Well, I tell you, you know, I think, again, it goes back to where you grew up. And I think even playing Little League baseball and being a part of the team and, you know, in Texas and at that time, uh, you talk about grassroots, dirt fields, and, you know, we all shared a bat and we didn't have all, as many gloves to go around. But, um, I mean, you learn, you know, winning and losing pretty pretty quickly uh, when you're, you know, a young boy on those dirt fields. But, you know, when in tennis, it's a gladiator sport. There's a winner and a loser. You know, I've got a weapon. You've got a weapon. And, uh, and I'll little jump ahead. You know, Coach Pucci, he really preached to us, you just got to, you know, break the other guy's will. We've always been in these long matches. It may be two all in the third, three all in the third. And you're looking across the net, and that guy's trying just as hard as you are. He's not blinking. And we've all internally had said to ourselves at one point or time, am I going to beat this guy? Is he going to give up? Or, you know, and you have self-doubt sometimes. We've all been there as a tennis player. There's always a point. And Coach Pucci, man, he would tell us to fight through that, and you don't blink, and you compete hard, and you make the other guy. You break his will because he's thinking the same time. It may not come until three all, four all, five all. I used to call them mini matches uh, here when I was coaching at Arkansas. 
you know, you win those mini matches at, uh, when it gets late in that third set. And that guy will blink, and it's all about breaking the will. But you can't get it if you don't uh, have the opportunities, uh, you know, and if you're not pushed by a challenge. Um, you know, at Arkansas, when I started coaching here after Tyler, um, you know, I coached three years at Tyler, um, and we were fairly successful there and won a couple of national championships. And once I got here at Arkansas, um, you know, we were in the Southwest Conference, and you mentioned, uh, you know, of mentorship. Uh, you know, I had Dennis Ralston and Todd Bartson and Dave Snyder and David Kent and Larry Turbo and Tim Siegel had just started at Texas Tech. Uh, you know, we all were good friends, but, boy, we were fierce competitors. Um, and it, it was a uh, – oh, it was a great league. But all of my guys, man, we had to fight hard, and, and you were tested each and every time you walked out on the court. And I just tried to pass that on what I learned from Fred Niffen and – and Tom Pucci, when we were playing in that Southwest Conference against these Hall of Fame coaches, that their guys are going to be just as tough as we are, but we got to hang in there and we got to break their will. And it's as simple as that. I mean, I used to simplify it. I think a lot of people muddy the waters with all this stuff and, and systems and everything, but it all boils down to each and every one of those kids has got to be tested and they have to look internally and fight through that and uh, you know sometimes it doesn't work sometimes uh, it's a, uh, that just technique will take over and one or two shots here and there uh you know and you get broken late in the third and that's it and uh, but you learn from that you learn not to back away and you're ready to go again the next day but uh um i had some great mentors uh and then of course when we moved to the southeastern conference uh as a coach uh, man, my professional record just crumbled. We were doing fine in the Southwest Conference. My record as a coach, we won a couple of Southwest Conference titles, and you know we would go. Uh, well, I'm not going to let you cut on yourself, coach. Yeah. Coach, you had seven yeah. Southwest Conference titles. Okay, not just a couple. You had 13 All-American, well. 23 All-Conference players. You had a national champion there. And you're—I know you're a humble man, but with your well, 321 uh, wins, also in the Arkansas <laughs> Sports Hall of Fame, which is a well, big, big deal. That means all of the great football players, basketball players, everybody out there—you're in that Hall of Fame, Coach. So uh, well, I'm not—I'm not going to let you get away with being that well, humble. But well, what I you're can, saying I, is I you can. went from to the SEC. You went to the SEC yeah. as a different ball game. Right. That's right. I mean, and I will say, I only coached two Southwest Conference teams. Coach Pucci had three, three uh, previous, so I only did coach two. But um, you know, we were rocking and rolling. I thought I was a pretty good coach in that Southwest Conference, and uh, you know, we were uh, we were doing okay. And when Coach Broyles, Frank Broyles, our athletic director, told us we were moving to the SEC, I'm telling you, my like I said, my professional uh, coaching record just crumbled like a cookie because I was going up against, we had 12 schools then you had hall of fame coaches at every school. And I, I call it the golden age of the sec, not to take anything away from it now, because there are some incredible coaches in the sec, but you had Eric short Auburn and John Chris at Alabama and Billy Pate, you know, Mike De Palmer and fan cut at Tennessee, Jerry Simmons and Jeff Brown at LSU 
what Demars and Josh Goffey at South Carolina, Dennis Emery, Cedric Kaufman, Andy Jackson and Per Nielsen at Mississippi State, Chadwick at Ole Miss, Duvernay, and then again Andy at Florida, Manny Diaz at Georgia, Bill Tim and Kenny Flack at Vandy, and then you had me. So you don't think I was uh, I was intimidated <laughs> when I went to the SEC? Well, yeah, but you're you know. you're suffering from the wrong side. Wait a minute, you're suffering from the wrong side of the track mentality there. I know tennis. Look, somebody most tell me that you know you need to have a blue collar work ethic in this white collar sport that we play. It's the fact that it was a country club sport for a lot of times. It was only for the people who had a lot of money. But you know, Texas is very unique. Did they have the high school system? That you have now in Texas, back when you 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 grew up, where you played. No, they uh, didn't. It's so great. You play team in the fall. You play spring. You play tournament tennis. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. The players develop very well in that system. Did you have that? What did you have? No, we just had a individuals where you had your individual districts, and you just played singles or doubles. We didn't have a team format back then but boy what they have now is it is awesome it is awesome Um, it's it's the hybrid and i'm going to just throw out there uh, you know whoever's in charge out there you're doing a fantastic job because the kids in high school tennis in texas become tennis players not just someone who plays tennis and i think everybody could follow the lead i wish in college we had that we need to have about a eight-week season in the fall we could do anything you wanted to to try to get crowds on a football weekend or something play we could play friday night sunday afternoon you know have a short season but then have it all done by thanksgiving then from christmas after christmas on we could have the grand slam of college tennis coach we could do the clay courts we could do Indoors, All-American, and the NCAs have four Grand Slam tournaments, build build satellite events around that. We would have the best amateur circuit in the world, and then players would springboard into the summer instead of crawl into the summer and saying, I'm too tired from all the team stuff that we did, you know. So anyhow, mm-hmm. Texas High School is great. I, so uh, anything quick there? I want to move on and ask you a couple questions here um we don't need to stay there i want to ask you about a critical part of your development was you recognizing that i needed a middle level program like a junior college i need this next step i'm a little bit behind kids nowadays they sort of look i've got a young man that i'm recruiting some and he's not quite ready for d1 program so i'm trying to get him to go to a junior college right now and I'm hoping he does because it just will be the interim jump start that he needs. But we we have this thing about our kids pedigree shopping in tennis. They pedigree shop. They they would rather ride the bench at the University of Georgia or a you know somewhere than to go through that stepping stone that they need. It's it's too high a jump for them to make if they don't if they just go and sit on the bench. What are your thoughts there? Could you talk to parents about that a second? No, I think, you know, you've got to keep your – you've got to be realistic. Uh, you know, there's so many great programs at all the levels, junior college, NAI, and Division three and two and one. There's a place for every kid. you just got to 
search it out, but you just got to be realistic. You know, if if not a if you're not a what a four star or blue chip, you know, you can forget about playing in the top half or making an SEC team. Um, but you know, the junior college route is so undervalued. I mean, it's it. Not only do you get the first two years academically under your belt in a smaller atmosphere, but competitively, you these junior college programs they traveled quite a bit more than you would think. They've got great coaches. Uh, it's it's just a great way to to you know sharpen your tools to be able to um, make the jump after two years to the next level and that's the beauty of junior college you get a second chance you know you're you come out of junior tennis and you may not have had that career that that you had wanted and parents may be a little disappointed uh hey keep your options open and find a program and keep moving forward in the junior college system or even just a a smaller college um you know is a is a, is a great way it's a great way to develop your game and be exposed to the what a, a great you know team sport and your your teammates these these parents kind of lose factor results oriented but your teammates are your are going to be your lifelong friends your college teammates and we just had a reunion a year ago here at arkansas and had uh, you know 60 some odd folks come back former players and we're crying and hugging each other and we're teammates for life and uh it doesn't matter if you're at arkansas or tyler junior college or you know uh, anywhere these these you forget that fact that you're bonding and you're growing and you're you're helping each other in these formative years and uh these you know you you need to be open to to and be realistic i guess that's my uh, my biggest point: you got to be realistic of finding a program where your son or daughter can uh, grow and, and 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 sharpen their tools, like I said, and and mature on the tennis court. But also, you're going to be bonding with these teammates, and uh, there's so much more of tennis than just wins and losses on the court. But um, yeah, I, I used to get that all the time. That. Uh, parents would try to push their kid on me that uh, they, they just weren't ready for an SEC program, and uh, and of course Tyler Junior College was I owe everything to Tyler, and they have a great program. But other junior colleges around the country um, are a good good source to uh, seek out and at least explore. Well, that's a lot of good wisdom. If you'll hang on, we got about ten minutes. If you can hang in there, Coach, I want you to talk. A little bit about what you're doing now and what do re- old retired coaches do? I mean, you sure. know, I, I heard that you know once a coach, always a coach. But we will be right back, folks. And this is Chuck Creasy and this American Tennis. And it's Coach Chuck Creasy, and folks, I'm so very, very proud that my book, Coaching Tennis, is still out there, and it's still selling. I got a a result the other day where my book, Coaching Tennis, that I hand-wrote the first version, Total Tennis Training, some 25, 30 years ago now, is one of the top-selling instructional tennis books of all time with over 30,000 copies out there. You can get Coaching Tennis by going to Amazon, and it's 
Coach Chuck Creasy's K-R-I-E-S-E, Coaching Tennis. Hope you can get one now, whether you're coach, player, or a parent. And as Coach Chuck Creasy, we are back with Coach Robert Cox. And we've, listen, Robert, I want to start this last segment by just saying, look, you know, it's they're, they're passing out all these sportsmanship badges now and all this stuff. You know, I've got a whole big cup of them here that I never, these tournaments, I mean, come on. You know, they're, they've got all of the front-loaded stuff. I tell kids and my players, sportsmanship is this. You never bring shame on the game or your family name. That is it. And we've all been pushed to the level in competitive excellence, but your sportsmanship, your class, the way that you handle things, you know, the University of Arkansas has gone on and given you a job there right now, and you're able to, you know, support your family, continue supporting your family. I'm in my year 41. You did 30. I did four. I've done 41, and I'm going to try to keep a rolling here, Coach. But I wanted to just ask you in the competitive game of tennis, what should you tell parents? I get so upset when they say, "Honey, just have fun. Just have fun. Don't worry about winning. Just have fun." And then the kids don't learn. I believe when they get to be about 11, 12, 13, they go, "Whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute, losing." hurts and and i think that the the pain it's the quality of the pain not the quantity of the pain that is critical and i think the pain is necessary for some youngster to not want to lose if you hate losing and dislike it enough you learn how to win what are your thoughts about that with a parent and their youngster with uh sportsmanship coach sure well, of course, the object of the game, and like I said earlier, it's a gladiator sport, man. And uh, you, you know, you're out there to slay me, and I'm out there to slay you. So, and the object of it is to win. And uh, when you come off losing, I mean, it should hurt. If it doesn't hurt, you know that uh, uh, <laughs> it, it didn't mean that much to you. And I uh, will go back on a very short, quick story. Um, you know, you as as a coach of a team, if you lose a dual match and 15, 20 minutes later your guys in the van are laughing and kind of shrugged it off, you got problems. I mean, it 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 it, it does have to hurt, um, and you've got to address that as a coach. Uh, but individually, each and every kid has got to go out there with the with the objective to win. Like I said, simple. Try to break that guy's will down. And and as far as sportsmanship goes, you just got to do it fairly. Uh, worry about your side of the net. You don't have to worry about the other side of the net and compete as hard as you can. Uh, and if, if you lose, then it ought to sting a little bit and go back, reevaluate it. And you need to have the urge to get right back on the court and, uh, <laughs> and get that feeling out by winning. Um, in the SEC, man, we did a lot of losing. I'm telling you, when you go up against those schools, uh, not only for one season, but for 26 seasons or, uh, what, 23 seasons in the SEC, you learn to deal with losses. 
but you got to deal it. You can't accept it. You got to deal with it the right way. And uh, we would go back and, um, you know, get right back on the horse. And in the SEC, you got that opportunity of playing a better team uh, two days from now. Uh, Chuck, and let me let me say one thing before I lose my train of thought. For three quarters of my coaching career, I robbed my kids of celebrating. Uh, I thought I was too cool for school. We would beat maybe a South Carolina on Friday, and then I would be in coaching mode saying, okay, guys, we beat South Carolina. You know, they were top 25, but we got to get ready for Florida on Sunday. And I took those wins and celebrating. It One year we beat Virginia in Seattle at the National Indoors, and – you know, the national indoor uh, team tournament, you know, it's a it's a tournament format. We were going to play the next day. We just upset Virginia, and Bolin had it uh, rocking and rolling, and it was a good win for us. And we were kind of hugging each other on the court, and I come out there, and I'm the fun killer. I say, guys, oh, hey, 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 we got to play the next day. We got to play tomorrow. Let's don't get carried away with this. One of my boosters had yeah. flown out to Seattle yeah. with us stopped me and said, Coach, we just beat Virginia. We got to go celebrate a little bit. Well, we went to an outback, and we celebrated there. No alcohol was involved or anything, but we did marinate it a little bit. And from then on, uh, I started celebrating the wins a little bit more. Um, And I really I look back on my career, and if there's anything I could tell a young coach – is hey celebrate those those victories don't don't be too cool for I, school and move on to the next I, one and, oh gosh I am mean, I guilty of that oh my go ahead <laughs> you know you know that's that's the coaching in us hey we're looking always ahead and man I look Star. back and we had oh, some man. great wins man and I just you know and I really robbed my guys from really enjoying it and well, marinating and that's and that's what we use the word marinate that win and marinate I tell these coaches marinate, that, I love it yeah, marinate I mean, marinate the marinate win marinate that oh win. gosh you know that's and right. uh, I tell them okay you know what I do now after all these years I made mistakes and I really believe we had I, I don't want to go into our, our thing but it's I would our players go two steps forward and as a coach you are looking forward but there, and then wins and losing. But I always said, with a win, you have to digest it, or you got to puke it out. And if I'm being too much slang there, folks, but they've got to, you know, there is a balance. If you don't come back to earth, it you you rob your kids too. So I, if we have to play mm-hmm. next day. I used to tell my players, okay, let's see, it's we finished. It's two o'clock. You can celebrate till seven o'clock tonight at our meeting. Enjoy it. But then, by golly, everybody better have game face on at 7 o'clock to get ready. And we would do that. And sometimes you only have a half hour. Enjoy it for a half hour. But, parents, that's really, really important. Now, the the other part of that is when you lose, you know, I always, with with the losing, you got to earn the right to hurt. You know, getting mad is not acceptable. Hurting is acceptable. But then you've got to the quality of the pain has got more be more important than the quantity. And Coach Robert, listen, you know I used to hurt for I still hurt for a day and a half when we lose, and it feels like somebody shot your dog. It's really really hard, but the parents have to learn that, you know, and that that's really mm-hmm. great wisdom. Coach, I'm going to ask you the next two or three minutes before we wind up here, talk about your job. 
now? What you doing from the top? You're looking at the bigger picture right now. Where are we headed with all the college athletics? Are we in a good place? Well, you can't. You've got to be. You know, your job is thing, but we we need to find a little bit better balance. I think with with what parents' expectations are and parents' understanding that it is the drive of the individual athlete and things. You know, could you just talk about that about two minutes? Two minutes there. Well, uh, as, as you yeah, can. Well, real quick, I think uh, these student athletes, when they come to a, a larger university or SEC school or a Power Five school, there's so many opportunities for their son or daughter. Uh, there's academic help, and they have nutrition, the weight training, the uh, you know, areas are just first class and you've got to turn, let go and let these coaches, uh, do their job and let these, uh, uh, sports professionals do their job. Um, I see a lot of it now. Uh, well, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm eight years removed from coaching, but I still think, you know, there's some helicopter parenting going on around the country and they won't you know, let their son or daughter experience that college uh, experience on their own. Um, but uh, right now I'll switch gears. I'm in facilities at the University of Arkansas. And for you coaches out there, man, uh, shake your custodian's hand or your HVAC person's hand. Don't just take them for granted. That's the side that I'm on here at the University of Arkansas. And, that boy, it's a whole different world. I used to take these guys for granted, all the maintenance guys for granted. Well, I'm working right alongside of them. And, man, they're just good people. And uh, coaches don't don't take them for granted for sure. They uh, work very hard. And uh, you may only have one or two dual matches on the weekend, but they have six or seven sports that they're dealing with on that same weekend. So, I'm having a ball here at the University of Arkansas and semi-retired, but, boy, I sure like to watch college tennis. Well, Robert, you've given us a lot of wisdom. <clears throat> you know, the roots and the wings are the two greatest gifts we give to our children, our, our players. Uh, you've given your youngsters roots and then wings to fly on their own, and that's the wisdom there to parents. Don't be a helicopter parent. The wings at a certain age is, is important. But I listen. I cannot thank you enough, and uh, we're gonna. I'm hoping we can get you on again. And dag on it, stay in the teaching and uh, teaching field and uh, mentoring field and everything. Okay, Robert. And we thank Thanks, you. Chuck. God bless Appreciate you. you. Thanks for being Appreciate on the program. Oh, yeah. Okay, this is Coach thank Chuck Creasy reminding you. You're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. Made in America. Come